Welcome to another episode of Whiskey and Mash. Welcome to this week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. I'm Chris Pullman. And I'm Gloria Ackerman. And while I'm frantically bringing up my wiki pages because I didn't for whatever reason, uh, I uh, I will let Gloria start. Okay, this week we are talking Friends and Enemies, um, episode number 13. Um, in this episode, we begin with um, BJ soaking his ingrown toenail. He is in so much pain. And in walks Winchester playing his music, um, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about what type of music he's playing, but loudly. And it's very annoying to BJ. At the same, and, and across the camp, Margaret's getting a record player, but her records didn't come in. So that's all, that, that's the first plot. The other plot, as um, this is going on, the OR is um, having casualties come in. And in the casualties is a very good friend of Colonel Potter, um, Colonel Woody Cook. And mm -hmm. he's actually very excited to see Woody because they're friends from way back. Like, not just from Army friends, but way back friends. Um, I think Chris can understand this. He has a group that he hangs around with from little on. So, yeah. I mean, you get close to these guys. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's something, something that happens with his good friend Woody and the men that he is leading. So those are the two main plots. Mm -hmm. Did you get your pages up? Yeah, no, I'm just reading through the notes. Okay, because one of the interesting parts that we learn right away as Winchester comes and he's playing his um, music, and I'm not sure if he said songs of the death, deaf children? Deaf. Or the death of children. Songs on the death of children. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. Songs that, on the death of children. Which, um, these that is the music that he was listening to it, and it's funny yeah. because they called like um. I think it was Klinger that came in, or someone said something about his. Oh, I know when they were. We find out what happens because BJ is typically the typical BJ and he goes on and actually does some planning because he has too much time on his hands. And one of the points he does send Winchester to, um, to the bar, to the officer's club to play his music and then gives the guys money to go play there. Mm -hmm. So I don't really understand what he was trying to accomplish because I think he, was he just trying to frustrate Winchester? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought he just wanted Winchester to go away, but he didn't. He kept mm -hmm. sending Winchester places, but then making it so he can't listen to his music there. But it was funny because they called it long hair music. And I remember my dad loving this kind of music when he was younger. And, and I remember like his brothers and things saying, oh, I don't know how you can listen to that long haired music. And I never understood because I always thought 70s music was like the long-haired music. But um, I guess it's because like in that era way back, they wore the white powdered wigs and uh, I, I don't know. Is, mm. 
it's just an interesting sure interesting fact should I keep going or um well no I, I I can give some input here I did look up uh, the the word that they have here that Charles supposedly said Kinda Totenida which Ooh, means song well like they said songs on the death of children uh when i go to google translate it translates as children's songs <laughs> um but yeah uh there there's a little quote here from the episode uh after hawkeye over here is like bj you know in post-op they were talking to their patients potter was with his friend woody uh, when they were, the captains were talking to their patients and they overhear that Woody came in and just started screaming orders and he shouldn't have been and he's the reason that they got hurt and, uh, Hawkeye says he's gonna go take a little tour of the rumor mill and BJ starts to get up and says, I'll go with you and then puts, uh, his weight on his ingrown toe and just, and Hawkeye, shouldn't you keep that toe off its feet for the next couple days? BJ, it's not my feet I'm worried about, it's my ears. I'm going to be stuck here for two days with Winchester and his Dead Children's Glee Club. So that was a reference to Winchester's record, Kinder Totenlieder, uh, which I'm going to quickly Google here and see. Oh, look at that. Mustav Mahler, Kinder Totenlieder. Yeah, there it is. It's a song cycle for voice and orchestra. The words of the song are poems by Friedrich Rucht. Uh... Wikipedia, what can you tell me? Very quickly. Uh, yeah, look at that. It describes the poems thus. Rückert's 428 poems on the death of children became singular, almost manic documents on the psychological endeavor to cope with such loss. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that's what uh, And it uh, was very uh, percussion-driven, I think, uh, the music when I heard it. It sounded to me... I heard uh, clarinet. A lot you? of woodwind. A lot of woodwind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's what I heard, at least. Um, you know what? Ah, go forward! <laughs> um. Yeah, there's actually... You can look it up on YouTube. <laughs> I I will put the word Kindertotenlieder uh, in the show notes if you want to look it up. And, and the artist, Gustav Mahler. I'll put those in the show notes. Uh, apparently, it's on YouTube. Kinder Totenlieder. Kinder yeah. yeah, Kinder is child. child. I figured that. Kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like, if Totenlieder is the songs, or if, yeah, I don't know which part of that is which, but yeah. Not that far into your German yet, huh? No, <laughs> I I know very basic German because I know some English. But it was interesting because you think it would be the perfect match because Margaret had um, a record player with no records, and because of BJ who filed down the who needle. filed down the needle, um, Winchester had records with no record player. So you would really find think that these two would have this great. You know they would get along, but BJ intercedes well, and. And actually 
pits the two against each other. Mm-hmm. Well, he knows uh, he's how to such push a buttons. Sneaker. Like I like <laughs> I said, you know, he I'm a lot like him in that I whisper in people's ears. Hawkeye goes out and does things. BJ just like, "Hey, you know what? By the way, did you, you should <laughs> Margaret, did you hear? Shiny beads and shallow shatter shallow, shallow flattery. flattery. Mhm. Shiny beads will, and shallow flattery will get you anywhere with with Margaret. Margaret. But then he says to Margaret, well, you know what? He's just going to apply you with shiny beads and shallow, uh, shallow flattery. flattery. And so when the his mistake was that he used Ooh. both wordings yeah. for each person. So uh-huh. she threw Winchester out yelling, don't you shove those shiny beads and shallow flattery at me. And also Winchester took a step back and thought, hmm, yeah, I can't he... believe you used the exact words that mm-hmm. BJ used. Yeah, and so then they, they trap him. And the best part to me was <laughs> they it. never said, we got you, we figured you out. However, um, when BJ was trying to get rid of Charles, he's like, no, Charles, I, I'm okay with you, you know, sitting here and just talking without the music because we can get to know each other. So... Chuck, where'd you go to high school? And you could just see his little smoke come out of his ears like, <laughs> I am not having this petty conversation with you. And he was out of there. Yeah. So then at the end, uh, when Margaret and, and Charles trap BJ in the swamp with Kintotot and Lita, um, you know, they they both have their arms like one arm on the back of BJ's chair and leaning in toward him. And Charles just goes, so... What did you go to high school, Beach? <laughs> so it was them saying, we got you, without yeah. using the words, we got you. Uh-huh. And the end end for this part was hilarious, because it didn't matter how sore his toe was, he, he was hobbling. running. He was, yeah, hobbling out of there on one foot <laughs> as quickly as he possibly could. Yeah. The, oh. uh, yeah, the, the other side of that, um, the Potter-Woody plot. We've seen something like this before. Yes, we have. So I kind of... You hate to see a plot used again and again. Especially, the other one was just as close also. Yeah, it really was. So it was almost like word for word Mm -hmm. like the other one. Except for, I don't remember, he got so angry at um, Hawkeye. He he bit Hawkeye's head off. Like rudely angry. Just, that's enough, Pierce. But that's enough. enough. But Leave. let me explain no. myself. No. You just... are dismissed. Yeah. I and it's like, dude, chill, man. Yeah. Just like, you, you've never been like this to Hawkeye. You've at least let him, like, explain himself. And he just bites Hawkeye's head I off. I think and... he knew what was wrong and, and didn't want to face it. Yeah, he didn't want to admit it to himself. Right. So he was going to go find out for himself. And, you know, he... he Hoping, Woody, I think, that Hawkeye's wrong. wrong. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But then he talks to um, Woody, and they were playing checkers and drinking scotch, I assume, based on the color and... <laughs> right. The fact that, like, they're all about scotch on that show. Um, when it's that, amb- that deep golden amber color. But, you know, Potter asks him, why were you there? It's a good thing, too. Those, those green kids, I showed them a thing or two. They were just going to leave that hill, which were their commands before they got there. Yeah. Do not attack. 
Mm-hmm. And they had reasons for it. Yeah, because it was a target. <laughs> so, you know, this old guy comes up and he's missing being the leader in action. Yeah. But he doesn't know the backstory of the mm-hmm. hill. Yeah. And um, so he starts sharding orders and which, by the way, a direct order isn't legit. Um, this goes back to the fact that they play fast and loose with chain of command. Woody was not in the chain of command. Oh yeah, of that. these soldiers, he was in supply. They were in the infantry. They would not have had to follow his commands, and in a court martial, likely wouldn't have faced any repercussions because of that. You know, but, but for the plot. sake of plot, <laughs> let's just go with they had to follow his commands. But, you know, just like in the other episode that featured an old friend of Potter's, there it was a lieutenant colonel, Woody was a full bird colonel, but Potter basically had the same response, which was, friendships aren't worth keeping. If people are going to die. mm Mm-hmm. And they almost did here. So he put on a a report in Woody's permanent file, and Woody's there in Potter's tent in his wheelchair, and... Potter just sees him starting to go, and he says, don't let it end like this. After all these years. I didn't. You didn't. Or what is it? I didn't end this. You You did. did. No, you did, dude. It was totally you, Woody. One of his comments that I just really liked when they were still friends, and they were talking about two old war horses at the end of the trail. Isn't that a Potter statement? Yeah. It's... Mm -hmm. You know, when I hear when I heard that, I could have told you if you said that to me. That's Who I mean, said if that? You, <laughs> it was Potter. <laughs> right. It was. Yeah. It just is, uh-huh. and I don't even know why it's I wrote it down. It just kind of hit me mm-hmm. as just a very important line for yeah. some reason. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you say, it's a Potterism. Yes. And you know, especially in these later seasons, um, there was one a few weeks ago at this point that we watched. And Potter had these old man glasses on, you know. Oh yeah, you mentioned it, even. They're they're doing their best through whatever means to make Potter look old. And they're the succeeding. Thing is, he has to be old. Oh yeah. In these episodes, yeah. he did Dragnet in the sixties. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, Harry Morgan. I mean, he died recently, and he was like late eighties, early nineties, so he was old. But I mean, Potter himself. Right. They were making a conscious effort to make him seem older. So that it was clear that this was it. This was the end of his... Right. He was one of the old war horses at the end of Mm -hmm. his trail. And once this war was done, he was done. done. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he would have been done a couple of times throughout. In fact, you hear him, you know, really grappling with retirement. But just loved what he did so much. And loved the people he worked with at this point. Mm -hmm. So how do you leave that? Yeah, I, yeah. Pardon me. Um, anything else about this episode? Well, just how they found out, because I thought it was interesting that, you know, a couple of the guys told right away, like, you know, hey, if it wasn't for, uh uh-oh, something important just happened. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. Finish what you were saying. Okay, now I can't. I'm concentrating on what you're seeing. Tell me what you're seeing. One of the very few MASH episodes to end on a freeze frame with something other than a variation of the show's theme music. This one ends with Mahler's Kindertotenlieder. Really? Uh, Apparently. I need to... I'd like to re-listen to that now. 
<laughs> oh, oh, interesting. That's what it says. Um, I didn't even notice. Yeah, neither did I. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, other fun facts, as long as I'm reading yeah, them. Yeah, keep going. This I'm is, done. I'm... okay. <laughs> this is the, this is, this is this season's Angry Potter episode. Although that element of the show is the shortest of them all this time around, basically lasting only two brief scenes. Uh, it's the last Angry Potter episode ever, in fact, uh, really? in the series. Good, I don't like Angry Potter. I agree. <laughs> uh, this episode is directed by Jamie Farr. Of all the shows cast, only Loretta Swit and William Christopher never ended up going behind the camera. That's unfortunate. So, but Mar maybe they didn't want to. That That's wasn't true. that wasn't their. That's true. For passion. Some, yeah, for some know? people, they want to. You know, I I loved. Um, like watching Star Trek Voyager when I would see, uh, Roxanne Dawson or any of the cast, uh, uh, Ethan, Ethan, no, I can't remember their names now, Tim but, Russ, when they get behind the camera. It's But it's neat. a lot of work. I mean, yeah. it's a lot yeah. of effort and you have to yeah. go back and watch and watch and rewatch yeah. and some but, people, that's just not their gift. I wouldn't no. like to do that. But it helps them advance their careers. It's a nice opportunity, yeah. you know, so that's neat that they were able to do that. Um, anything else? I think MASH gave a lot of opportunities to a lot of people because mm -hmm. you never see the same thing directed or written. You know, you get so many points of view. And that's mm -hmm. why I think we like it so yeah. much because mm -hmm. we see different points of view. We get Hawkeyes and BJs and, you know, different... Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, give us the deets. Okay. Guest stars <laughs> recurring cast. We have John McClam as Colonel Woody Cook, Jim Lefebvre as Sergeant Zerilli, Kelly Nakahara as Lieutenant Kelly Amato, Matthew Price as Corporal Marsh, Jeff Maxwell as Igor Straminsky, Jack Yates as the enlarged listed men, I assume, who whacked the uh, uh, jukebox oh, yes. in the O Club yeah. to stop Kinda Totenlida, <laughs> Roy Goldman as Private Roy Goldman, and Bill Snyder as Snyder. A lot of, uh, like, Roy Goldman, Igor Straminsky. You know, it's great. Like I've said like before, the bigger parts. it's great seeing them listed in the credits now. Because you know. they're actually having lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, production code 9B05. Writer Karen Hall. Director Jamie Farr. Original air date February 7th, 1983. And again, I will include... The spelling of Kindertotenlieder and of Gustav Mahler in the show notes so that you can look those up if you really want to. All right, next. Season 11, episode 14, Give and Take. I think this actually puts us over the halfway point of the season. I think it's more than that because yeah. all we have left is a time goes by and goodbye, farewell, and amen. Seriously? Seriously. Oh, we should have done a triple then today because goodbye, farewell, and amen is like an hour and a half on its, its own. own. Okay. Well, short episode <laughs> next week, y'all. I should have looked ahead. All right. Um, give and take. So, uh, the the main plot that I think gets the most mileage out of this episode is some wounded come in, which isn't unusual, and. Uh, in the OR, there's a North Korean soldier who's pretty badly wounded, and the guy who shot him, who comes in after the North Korean is already anesthetized and being worked on, 
And this guy is kind of uh, bragging to BJ about how he shot that guy and so on and so forth. Because he was trying to steal his boots. Yeah. And throughout the episode, this guy, he uses um, a racial slur when talking about this guy. And by the end of the episode, the propaganda has been washed away from what he what this gi sees and he sees this other guy this north korean as a human and he has a very hard time with the fact that he killed him so that's the one plot uh and then the other one is that colonel potter had left winchester in charge of charity collection and winchester forgot so he decides Wait, to let's put that in air quotes and say forgot Okay. Well, I think he legitimately forgot, oh, do you? but I don't think he wanted to do it. So I think that he also conveniently forgot the night before, legitimately forgot the day of. Okay. And then conveniently forgot the day after. Um, I'm, I'm going to take him at his word based on his reaction. Okay. But um, he decides he doesn't want to beg off of everyone, so he pawns the duty off on Margaret. Margaret pawns it off on BJ. BJ pawns it off on Hawkeye. Hawkeye pawns it off on Klinger. Klinger pawns it off on F Father Mulcahy. Mulcahy does some digging and just drops it back in uh, Winchester's lap and says, you do it. Your name's on it. Good luck. And we can go through why that all takes place. But in the end, Winchester just pays for everyone because he <laughs> doesn't want to go around begging people for money as as he originally stated so those are the two plots he should they should have put winchester in charge all the time right <laughs> hey hundred percent collection rate everybody contributed amazing how that happened even potter was on there and he didn't give yet <laughs> i will take your ten dollars colonel because i need money until payday But yeah, the it's um very interesting episode. Yeah, I think actually we can take care of the charity collection bit really super quick. Right. Because Winchester bribes Margaret with poetry book? Yes. Okay. So that gets Margaret to do it. Margaret quickly finds out it's hard work. So then she makes a deal with BJ to darn his socks. And but she, a lot of them. Yeah, she thought she was darning two pair. He brings out a basket. It was like all of them. I don't even think he ever had that many socks until this episode. Because <laughs> um, he's usually stealing Hawkeyes, but yeah. now we know why. Yeah. Because all had holes in them. Yeah, so uh, you see her in every scene after that darning socks. Um, when BJ tries and gets sick of this, uh, then he goes to Hawkeye and blackmails him. Yep. Because he starts by saying, do you remember when we put fluorescent paint on Winchester when he was asleep? <laughs> yeah. And how he said he'd ever shave your head if he could find proof that you did it? Yeah. I'm going to tell him. <laughs> You're going to do this, or I'm going to tell him. That didn't work, but he found... He found yeah, other ways. Yeah. Another way so that would work. he bribed him. Yeah. I think it was actually... You know that nurse that you're going to yes, meet in Tokyo in a week? Okay. I, I don't know if she's going to be so receptive once she sees a picture of your wife... And daughter. Huh? Aaron and Peg. Um, 
Pierce. Oh, darling, how we miss you. <laughs> uh, Hawkeye doesn't have any more luck. He tries to use his suaveness, which tanks harder than anybody else. He actually goes to nurse... What was her name? I'm sure You're it's right on here. Down. Nurse Armstrong. Who he says, for you can have all this for the low price of $10. And she goes, seriously? <laughs> I have a boyfriend, or what is it, a husband in the commandos. His shoulders go out to here. If I told him what you just pulled, he would break every bone in your body. And she was literally laughing. like. Yeah. So then Hawkeye trades the duty to Klinger for medication um, inventorying. He had to fill out all these papers. Which I think was still a better deal for him, even though it was horrible. Klinger uses guilt to pawn it off on Father Mulcahy. Who was excited to take it because he's very good at collecting mm. until he realizes that he was losing out. Because then the first person he goes to talk to was Igor, who had lost all his money to Rizzo in a poker game, which is a funny anecdote we'll bring up at the very end. But uh, Igor says, I'm out of money. And Mulcahy says, no, I'm not going to let anybody else get away. And Igor finally says, well, then I'll, I'll give you the first three dollars. I thought you said you were out of money. Well, yeah, Father, but every paycheck I put three dollars away earmarked for... for the orphans. Right. So, you're to... not going to give to the orphans because you're giving to this. And that's when he tracked down Winchester and said, "You lout! <laughs> I happen to know that this was your duty, and it is your name on it." And when the general comes calling because it's not done, he'll come looking for you. Unless Potter gets to you first. Good luck, Major. Well, he just paid it off. And he just paid it off because it's Winchester and he has that sort of money. Who is it that went to Rizzo again? BJ. I, I wrote down what Rizzo said. It was BJ. Because it was so funny. We get to hear his um, first name. It's Lutho Riz Luther, Luther Rizzo, Rizzo Day. Mm, He's, but he sent all his money home to well, yeah, Bobo. because he yeah because he <laughs> won all the money. It's my day. It's Luther Rizzo Day. I done made up one of them money orders and sent all the money home to my to sweetheart Zola. <laughs> I said Zola, Billy Bob's too young to be walking around without shoes, and you're too old. Or no. Billy Bob's too old to be walking around without shoes. And Zola, you're too young to be walking around without teeth. And if there's any money left over, pay the rent. I just thought that was so funny. Okay. But that's that plot. And done. And, and it was done. paid off. But the other plot, plot was not as light and airy. No, it was... It was really depressing, in, in, in my opinion, because... Um, I hope it didn't really in life happen that way where you uh, would put someone you shot next to some, the person. Like, I don't know if you, if that even mattered, but you'd think they would keep North Koreans separated somehow. Not if there were, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That would be, that would be an answer for someone who's actually worked in a medical unit. Let us know in if combat. you have. Yeah. Because I'm just curious, did <laughs> would, everyone get treated at the same facility and what would, were yeah would they have, would they have put a north korean next to a gi or 
you know, I, I mean, he was still in critical condition. So I assume that they kept him there because he couldn't be shipped out to a right. POW camp for more treatment. But in that state, would they have, you know, kept like, curtained him off? Or, yeah, would they have kept him together. I don't know. But, um, you know, in this case, it really helped someone see the light. Yeah, because the man who shot him was like, you should have saw it. He snuck up to me, thought I was dead, and he was trying to steal my shoes. He was... Guy didn't even pay enough attention. He put down his rifle. So then while he's trying to pull off my boots, he doesn't even un unlace them. I pick up his rifle and I shoot him. And um. And he was proud of it. Like, yeah. Well, and again, he used the racial he used slur. The racial slur and yeah. Was, I'm not going to repeat it I, yeah, because that would to. give validity to it. Right. But um, it, it's a typical one from the time against uh, the Asian foe. But, uh, yeah, after that in post-op, the North Korean just keeps, like, coughing and shivering. And Margaret, com the, the GI, complains, can't you do something about this? He's making too much noise. And Margaret comes over and looks, and um, I think it's a, an infection from the frostbite that he had, because he had his shoes were worn through. And he had just paper Frost around his feet. Yeah, just very bad frostbite. So the guy, the GI just gives him a blanket. It's like, whatever, whatever will help him. And I just want him to be quiet. Here, take my blanket. And the guy didn't speak English. He didn't understand. So he just, he looked over at the GI and like thanked him. Well, you know, and the GI just rolled over. Like, yeah. you know, don't acknowledge me. Mm -hmm. then but he, in his back of his head, he's started already to feel guilty for pursuing yeah. him. But Because here's this guy. I mean, now, you know, just again, remember, like in World War II, there was... Very racist propaganda oh, yeah. against the Germans and against the Japanese. You can find it on YouTube. I mean, like, Donald Duck, the, all these people, Looney Tunes, um, everybody but Superman, basically. Because we didn't need Superman to win the war. <sighs> That's legit. Um, would be in these cartoons, like strips uh, in action, like movies fighting these very racist stereotypes because if you can dehumanize the enemy right then you can kill them and especially if you can do it through humor it stays mm. with you longer but if you don't if they're human it's very hard to kill i mean we see this as far back as world war one during the mm -hmm. christmas truce right. when the englishmen and the germans got to know each other they wouldn't fight and that's what's happening here is this guy you know if he had just killed this soldier on the battlefield that would be the end of it but because he got to see him suffering he saw him shivering. He saw them go in and redo surgery again. Well, and before and that, before that, he couldn't the breathe. chocolate bar. Yes. Klinger was handing out chocolate bars, and he gave one to the North Korean, and the North Korean understood. Okay, this is yummy. This is a this is good, but then he the North Korean called over a nurse, and handed it. And pointed to the other man. To the GI. And gave it to him for the blanket, and he held up his blanket like. Thank you for my yeah, blanket. Chocolate bar for the blanket. Thank you. And the GI just... He was conflicted, I think. I think so, too. You know, it's not that he was confused. He was conflicted. Because this North Korean... Was being kind to him. Yeah. He might not have known who the GI was, that this was the GI who shot him, but he was being kind to him. The enemy was being kind to him, and it was shaking his worldview. But then, yeah, you know, they... He's the the North Koreans having a seizure basically. Mm -hmm. um, 
they take him into the OR, they're working him on, on him again. They must have done all they could in the OR. Uh, Hawkeye's still in his scrubs back in post-op. Him and Margaret are leaning over this guy. They're listening. And uh, Margaret says something like his his pressure is 80 over 0 or something. He's not wrong. Well, then all well of a sudden, that's... He, yeah, as far as I know, that's died. like dead. Yeah. And then, yeah, you see Hawkeye poking around on his neck with a stethoscope. And then he just says he's gone. And then they lift him up and cover his mm -hmm. face and carry him away. And you see the GI and he's just speechless. You know, he, he just, I think he's having a hard time comprehending it. And then... Something that you should know is the GI too was very anxious to go home. Like well, he, he didn't want hospitals. And mm, why? Because of this man. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. But, he wanted but to get away then, from this guy. As quickly they as possible. Brought him his shoes to go home, and yeah, he just Potter. lost yeah. it. He, yeah, it was survivor's guilt. It was that guy died because he, he wanted my shoes. How can I ever wear boots again or shoes? I don't think of this. And Potter, I think in a very not Potter moment, he says, "I'm sorry, kid. I'm just a surgeon." That's basically what he yeah, said. It's it like, was. like, oh, I you've, can't help you. you've helped kids through worse. Don't give me that. But but he's dealing with his own crap. Mm. You know, he's he's over there right now. Just lost his best friend or good friend. Oh, sorry, wrong episode. <laughs> Hi, it's been a while since we watched these. Can you tell? She's sober. Oh, yes, I am. It's been Sarah. a while since we watched these. Still today, okay. but earlier. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's just a very odd Potter moment where it's like, I can't help you, I'm sorry. Right. But, um, you know, again, I, I think it's a really interesting portrayal. If you pay attention to this soldier and you see the humanization of the foe and what that does to him. And all he had was a scalp graze. That's it. Right. But I think he's going to have a very hard time when he gets back to his unit. Because that's not a send you home of no. wound. He's going back. He's going back. And he I has think, to shoot at people again. And I think that's going to be hard. So. It just. Yeah, just a tough episode for. Yeah. For everyone. Um, mm -hmm. And like it ended with Winchester paying it off for everyone. So. Um, but let us know what, if you know that if they're going they would to keep the enemy and, other. and yeah. uh, soldiers next to each other, because mm -hmm. that just would shock me if they do. Yeah. Uh, a quick anachronism uh, that somebody had spotted, and this is on the wiki and on IMDb. The candy bar that Klinger gave to the Korean soldier is anachronistic because it has a barcode printed oh. on it. The first product that was sold with the barcode was chewing gum by the Wrigley Company in 1974. Wow. So that's at least two decades out of date. Uh, recurring cast guest stars. We have Craig Wasson as Private Curland. That is the GI. He also appeared in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 in 1988, apparently. G.W. Bailey as Luther Rizzle. Jeff Maxwell as Igor Straminsky. We had Kelly Nakahara as Lieutenant Kelly Yamato. Sagan Lewis as Nurse Armstrong, Derek Wong as the Korean soldier, Alberta J as one of the nurse with uncredited appearances by Jennifer Davis in post-op, 
and Shari Saba, both in post-op, and the O Club. The production code for this was 9B09. Writer, they have listed as Karen Hall, and director, again, Jamie Farr. I don't know if that's right. Let's check IMDb for... for, uh... Confirmation. I don't see it on here. We'll take uh, the MASH wiki at its word then, I guess. Uh, I think whenever Potter's yeah. crabby, it's a clinger. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was just, he, he wasn't crabby. He was no, just kind just of, um, off. yeah, just um, emotionless or uh, uncaring toward this guy. Not uncaring, just, yeah. Uh, the original air date was February 14th, 1983. All right. If you have enjoyed this, whether it's your first time or you're a returning listener, please, the best thing you can do to help support our podcast is to share it with a friend, a family member, a co-worker, someone you know. We're getting to the end, so all of this will be available uh, both on your favorite podcast application, just search for Whiskey and Mash, or head over to our website, narclaninc.com slash whiskeyandmash. There on the website are all the MP3s of this podcast. You can either stream them right from the website or download them to your MP3 listening device. For a lot of people these days, that's your phone, so you can get it on your phone a number of ways. Also, on that webpage, you can head over to Facebook, like our page, and join the conversation about this show. Uh, we'll also be getting uh, a new page, a new Facebook page, I'm sure, once we start a new show, but... We're going to, I think we'll keep it under the same heading when we do Aftermash. So there's still going to be more, but we're getting to the end of the actual MASH 4077 series. You know, apparently two episodes away. <laughs> I didn't yeah. realize that. <laughs> uh, again, short episode next week. But, you know, email us. Connect with us out there. Let us know you're out there. We appreciate that. And thank you for anyone who's been a long-time listener. Thank you for sticking with us and being part of this conversation. We appreciate it. We do this just because we like it, but we love knowing that there are other people out there who share the same passion for the show that we do. Um, pardon me. With that, though, we'll close it out for this week. Uh, I am Chris. I'm Gloria. <laughs> Clink. <laughs> doesn't doesn't uh, hear it. Uh, there, that's close enough. She has a plastic Diet Coke bottle. <laughs> Have a good week, everyone. We'll Have see you next week. time. Yeah, I didn't realize it was just the two either. So yeah. I, just, I knew I had mm -hmm. written all the episodes down. Yeah. So I, I just, yeah. yeah. Laura's already said that she will not watch Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. She will not? She will not because of the chicken. Well, don't look very much the chicken part. Chicken. Yeah. Yeah, she does not want to watch. Or How does she know about the chicken? I, either I told her or she found out. Oh. Okay. You and I probably were talking. I'm about sure. It. Um. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's right. a sad part. It is. It's over by about halfway through the episode. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.